featuring insights and inspirations from the mind of Boogie Triggs. This is Boogology, a Low Tree Studios podcast. My name is Jason. I am the producer and co-host, and joining me is the man behind the name, a 21-year Air Force veteran and high-level leader and motivator of people, Mr. Boogie Triggs. Welcome in, Boogie. Thank you. Thank you, man. How you doing today, man? I'm doing I'm doing okay. You're feeling well. it? You're vibing on it? I'm vibing on it. Feeling good? Man, you ready to podcast and do this thing? Let's do this. Let's man. do this thing. All right. So I heard you talk about something in a meeting, in a work meeting. Right. Those exciting meetings that you put together and and uh, tell us your your great stories. Okay. That everybody loves. Everybody in the room, I think. Yarns. <laughs> <laughs> so you said something about want versus need. Yeah. So you have sort of a theory on it that I found really unique. Perhaps you can explain what that means in relation to how you use it as a manager and a leader. Well, I remember the story. Uh, I've I've told that story uh, quite a few times. This is how this whole thing gave life, okay? It became life to me. My wife and I, when we first got married a hundred years ago. Yeah, <clears throat> long right. time. That's a long yeah, time. A long years time, now. man. Wow. <laughs> she, she would had this thing. She told me that she was afraid because I didn't need her. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I said, "Well, I don't need anyone." Mm. Now you know, we're in our early twenties. I'm like, I don't need anyone. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm invincible. I can do this. Right. I don't need anyone. She said, "I'm scared of that." I said, "Yeah, but I, I want you." She said, "One isn't good enough." Hmm. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, one isn't good enough. You might not want me anymore. I said, let me let you know something, okay? Need is based on something that that is part of your life, right? Like say you need food. Mm-hmm. So I need food in order for me to live. So I go out and I, and I get food, something I need. And once that need is satisfied, I don't need it anymore until the next time I need it. Want is something that even though you may need food, you eat until the need is met. Want is even if I don't want food, if it's something I love, I'm going to eat it until I'm sick because I just don't want to stop eating it. So for me, want is based on life. We go through life. You need companionship. And you are the person or your significant other is the person that you've chosen. That you want. That you've chosen to go through life with. So out of all the people you could have possibly selected, they are the one that you want to go through this life. So you need companionship, but I want you to be that companion. That's so, I, so I can feed that need any way I want to, but you're the one I want to do that. I like that because... The two get kind of mixed up, you know. Right. I think want often gets gets a bad rap. I mean, even in your wife's perspective, right? What you just shared, it sort of has a it had a bad rap in her head that that you didn't need her, and it wasn't enough that you wanted her, right? And what do you think that is? Is it because wants fade? Because wants do fade. Yeah, they do. Because you know, like, like, hey, I don't want you anymore, right? I don't, I don't want that anymore. I, I get that. However, comma. (laughs) (laughs) The other name for the show. The other name for the show. (laughs) We still have that tendency of wanting something. And wanting 
like you said, it does take a bad rap, and and it is rather underrated because for sure, yeah. But it's it's much well. They're both a powerful force, but yeah, they are. They are. I I just say want is a selection. Need is a definite, but want is a selection. So that's why want is is much, in my opinion, is much more powerful because it involves choice. Right. Whereas need doesn't necessarily involve choice. But don't you choose the person you want to be with? That's my point. That's why I'm saying that's why I'm saying I, I like this perspective because need is something that you just have to have. It's not necessary it's it's sort of almost involuntary. Right. In a lot of ways. Whereas want, it actually involves you making a selection, a choice. Right. Which gives, I think, which gives it more power. More power. For power, sure. yeah, because of the fact now it has an added value to the commitment. And when you ask me, how do I use this in management? Well, the thing about it is, I always say, I don't pay you to do your job. The company pays you to do your job. How you do your job is based on my relationship with you as a leader. If I'm a leader that you find favor in, you will do a great job. If I'm a leader you don't find favor in, you will do a suitable enough job for you to retain your job. So therein, therein there lies the, the need versus the want. I need to do my job, mm -hmm. yet I want to do my job this way because I like my leadership. Okay. Do, okay. do you think that that is the sole motivating factor? The the The... No, approval no. or the liking of of your leaders. No, no, no. In terms I, of want for people, I, I don't think so. I think that we all go to whatever job it is, whatever task that we're faced with. I think we all attack it with with, with our own personal desire, and that desire being something that will give us immediate gratification, something that gives us immediate satisfaction. So, just knowing I got the job done makes me feel good. Just knowing that when I leave. I don't have to come back the next day. I have to deal with the headache that may be sitting for me. So I put everything, laid everything flat, right? Yet how I do it, knowing that my leader believes in me enough that they've given me tasks that they were specifically knew were very challenging and knew that I had both the mental acumen and aptitude to get it done. They gave it to me and they turned their back on it because they had all the confidence in the world to get it done. That is one of the biggest compliments on anyone's talents or capabilities. And, and it's also a really sound motivator. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So again, like for me, when I go to work, the guys that, that are my subordinates give me more purpose than the, than the guys that are my leaders. My purpose is to have them be successful, my subordinates to be successful while at the same time satisfying the needs of my leaders. So how do you evaluate when you come into a new situation as, as a leader and, and sort of as, as you try to, to implement, a mo uh, uh, not a motivator, but a mentor, you try yeah. to be that, right. which is great. How do you start to evaluate and measure what each person wants? And, and, and in discovering that, how do you transform it into, you know, productivity? Well, think of it. Okay. When you first go into any type of environment, just a, 
a new landscape. Okay. We go in and everybody say, let's analyze the situation. Well, analytics and the very essence of anal- analytics is numbers. Cerebral is people. Okay. So my main approach when I first go into any type of new situation is to be more cerebral because you have to understand the people. If you go in, when you go into business, and I've said this before, and you go into business, there's two ways to guarantee success. One is to have a, a positive culture, and the other one is to have a sound strategy. Now, it is the execution on how you implement those that's going to determine your ease of growth. If you were to implement strategy first, you'll find success and you'll have growth, but it wouldn't be easy. See, because you're going with strategy, you walk in and you start saying, hey, we're going to realign things. We're going to change processes and procedures. We're going to change our, our whole way of functioning, re- rebranding ourselves. Right. If you don't have the proper culture to support that, you will have a lot of pushback. You have a lot of static. You'll have a lot of resistance. What's a proper culture? The proper culture is you go in, instead of trying to analyze, you become cerebral. You understand the people that are on that team, their function, their process, the way that they, they relate with what the mission, the, the, the big picture is. And because they're already doing the work. They've been there enough. They know what to do, all right? Me being the new guy, I haven't a clue. I don't care how much education, how much experience I have. When you go into a company or, or an organization or just another unit within your organization, you have to learn their programmatics, their, process, their processes, their policies, their procedures. So instead of going in trying to learn that, I learn the people, and I learn who does what. So if a question gets brought to me, I know who to reach out to to get that because they are the professionals at what they do. What is your process for learning the people? So I go in and we have interviews. There's two type interviews. There's formal and there's informal. Formal interview is sitting down answering systemic type questions that are based on whatever HR requires us to gather facts or data for so we can validate whether we're going to hire our guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not hire the person. Whereas informal interviews are just five-minute, 50-minute talks, conversations with people that while conversing with them, you get to learn who they are. How do you, do you collect that data in a notebook? Is it something that you just make a mental note of? Have you gotten good enough to where it's 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 stored in an area of, of Boogie's brain where you're like, oh, this person's this? Do you have categories and you place them in there? Or is everybody just completely unique and it's just multicolored? Well, it's, it's intuition, actually. It's like when, when I meet people, I expect nothing. I expect nothing. That's even, hard. Even if you've heard things. <clears throat> even if I heard things. Because people have heard things about me, and I always say, love me or hate me, know me first. Got it. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I can live with it after that. So I expect nothing. What you give me is now our commitment, our contract on how we're going to deal with each other. So I go in empty slate, open page, open book. Let's, let's find out who we are. And then what you give me, I move from that. Now- we, we raise children, 
right? We, we raised um, six kids. You and your wife. Me and my wife. Mm -hmm. Three girls and three boys. They're, they were <laughs> they were perfect examples, man, of me honing my mentoring capabilities. Because we had one, the middle girl, brainchild, man, a student. I would not accept anything less than an A from her. So we had a deal. Hey, she gets an A and uh, um, all A's on her, her report card, a 4.0 or, or more. She brings it home, shows it to me. Whatever money I have in my pocket, she gets. And which was scary one time because I, <laughs> <laughs> I used to carry like large loads of money in my pocket. I don't do that anymore. But I, I had like uh, money in my pocket and the report cards came in and I didn't know when she came in. She said, report cards are in. I'm like, shit. Oh, no. That's funny. And when she opened it up. She had a B. Yeah. <laughs> 3.98. I'm like, yes. <laughs> she was like, no. I'm like. Yes. Did you show her at least? Oh, yeah. One? She, yeah, she, she had it. She showed me. No. No, did you show her how much cash oh, you had? I did. I did. And I'll tell you. So she goes, I don't get anything for this. I was like, no, the deal is all or nothing. But let me show you. I had $1,800 in my pocket because I hadn't gone to the bank yet. I had 1800 She's like, no. I'm like, yes. That motivator to the next yes, time. Yes, I dodged the bullet. You know, but she's gotten like upwards of $500 out of me. But it was it was just that moment. And she was like, I don't think it's fair because the youngest boy, he brings home C's and that's okay. I was like, whoa, understand. Yeah. A C for him, that is his A. <laughs> that's you, great. That's it. I said, so I don't compare you guys to each other. I look at where you guys and who you are. That's interesting. I like that. I like I All like right. where you're going with that. I know you have more to explain with the kids, oh, yeah, but no problem. Do, isn't that one a, a fundamental mistake in in the work environment? One of the things that I feel is one of the biggest cancers to a work environment is someone who thinks that they're working harder than someone else, right? And it affects them in a negative way, right? And they 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 think that everybody should have that same expectation level, right? I think that, and then they start talking. Then there's the worst part. They start talking shit or making waves and, and it becomes a problem. Right. Right. What do you think about that? I, I do feel like people should be measured in different ways. And one of the ways that I've helped myself in the work environment is I assume if someone didn't do something or like say second shift didn't take care of something, maybe we asked, I assume they were busy. And I do that because not only it takes care of them and I have, it maintains my respect for them, but it all also doesn't get me all spooled up and fired up that second shift. They don't do shit. That kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you know how what? Do you, how do you, how do you navigate and manage? Here's the question. How do you navigate and manage people that work at different levels? Here's the funny thing. And I'm laughing right now because you say first and second shift in aerospace. There's always been a rift between first and second shift. Always. Since I've been there ten, nine years now, it's the same thing. Since Orville and Wilbur, right. <laughs> <laughs> one was on first shift and the other one was on second. Oh, it's always been a riff, okay? <laughs> it's like, it's like if, if I'm not there with you going through the hell, I don't think you're going through hell, right? That is the, I think okay. that's one of the most asinine <clears throat> things that we do as humans. It is, it is. Now, here it is. I remember being in the military. Uh, the one thing in the military was good for me is that I knew when I was going through shit, everybody was going through shit. Yeah. So I really didn't have anything to complain about. Right. Even if it seemed like that person was getting it easy, hey, they're going through shit somewhere. 
I'm okay with it. In the civilian world, I have to look at look at it like there are people that if I'm not getting exactly what that person is getting, I'm being cheated. All right. We work in an environment where companies have pay for perform pay for performance standards. Right. The standard being that however you perform, that is how you're going to be rated and it's going to stack you when we do rack and stack is how you fall along with your superior. I mean, with your contemporaries, your peers. So now there are people that feel that if you're not looking out for me, I'm not going to be racked or stacked as high. So if I'm busting my ass and this person isn't, but you are, you're recognizing this person, I don't think that's fair. And, and I can understand that. Of course. That makes sense. Yet what I've also learned in, in the civilian market of aerospace is people want to see other people bludgeon killed in front of them and a bloody body drug around the building on a chariot so they can see that the person was destroyed for something that they did. So unless they witness it, nothing ever happened to that person. But see, military raised me well when they said, praise in public, punish in private. Yeah. So if I ever had to do a disciplinary action with anybody, it would be done behind closed doors because I still want that person to retain their dignity and respect when they walk into work, right? Right. So now people think, well, nothing happened to the guy or the girl. I still see them doing the same thing. So I guess I could screw up too. It's like screw up, move up. But that's that's more stuff there too that I can talk on because um, that there's a book that's written called The Peter Principle, and it'll tell you a, a lot mm. about that. It's basically promoting someone to their level of um, competency, okay? And I'll expound on that some other time. But at any rate, people tend to be on the outside looking, just their observation, and they don't see the whole picture. So they figure that I'm busting my ass and that guy, that girl is doing nothing. Right. Well, it is the manager, the leader, is their job to convey to the team the structure of how, how the work is being um, how, disseminated. And how, and how do you do that? And create that culture that that you that you hope to create. You 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 do it you do it by dispersing the work equally. There's going to be some work that people want to do. Everybody want to do this job because it's a great job to do. Mm -hmm. But you, you're going to have to get everybody trained up so that you you're confident enough that any and everybody on your team can do that job. Although there's going to be some people who may not have the Mental capacity to perform that task, and isn't that okay? It is. I mean, we we want everybody to to be the same, but there are people that were born to be leaders. There are people that were born to be, uh, I don't. What's the word I'm looking for? Doers, right? You know, everybody's got their level of skill, and it's it is okay that we're, that one person is just better at one thing than another. I, I think that that, and it should be okay. Uh, and, and it is. However, as a leader, however, comma, comma, <laughs> as a leader, my challenge is to say, I want to get give this person the opportunity to perform that task that might be beyond their scope. Okay. Okay. So I won't give it to them to do it exclusively as a solo project. I'll send them with a more trained person. So at least they have exposure to that task. 
Now, me as a leader, mm-hmm. I'll have to be ready for any other type of void I may create in, in my workforce that while that person's gone, somebody's going to pick that, pick that weight up without them being mad or disgruntled, like, well, why wow, this person's gone and why is it me? So next time, I have to share the wealth, leave the, per- the initial person behind and send another person to go to, to do the task. Okay, so that's that's what that is. But we also got to be ready too as leaders for um, pushback from the company that will say, "Well, I don't think you're using your manpower properly, or what have you." <clears throat> Excuse me, and be ready for that 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 objectivity. We have we have to say, "Okay, great, wait. This is my manpower. The work is getting done." Mm-hmm. I'm doing it on my terms, not and not end with the threatening. If you don't like what I'm doing, go get someone else, because that 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 we all know that exists in the universe. Okay, so I don't like using that term, that phrase, anything along with that. I'll just say these are my guys. I'm using them this way, and this is the reason behind it. Because my superiors have all the right in the world to question me. It's just when. I go into a unit, I go into establish a brand, a brand that's, that's predicated or designed on, you give it to Boogie and his team, it will get done. Turn your back on it, let us do it. You go to a restaurant, you order food, you don't care how they prepare it. Even if you tell them, well, I can't have nuts, I can't have this, I can't have that, but you're not over the chef's back while he's preparing it. You trust in him, and that's why you eat it, or her, and that's why you eat it. So the same thing with me. Boogie, I need to get this done. Turn your back, trust in me, and your dish will be ready. That's great. Have you ever had moments with with some uh, of the groups that you've mentored and led where maybe they didn't have a desire or a want to be there or a want to do the work that they're doing. They're there. They're just collecting a paycheck. We've seen those people. Have you, have, have you had success stories where you've been able to inspire people to actually want to achieve things that they may not have otherwise considered? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you again, I got to go back to my military roots, man. I, I had a great time in military. Military people wanted one of two things, more money, or time off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd so, like some of that. Yeah. So I couldn't give them more money, so I gave them time off. It's like, hey, what are you doing? Nothing. All right, you've been in for two hours. Go ahead and get out of here. Cut back. Or Friday would come. Hey, guys, you guys get this done. You can get out early. They're, oh, man, Boogie, thanks. And oh, Sergeant Triggs, thanks. So that build my morale up. That got my support, right? Everybody want to work for Sergeant Triggs. Everybody want to work, work for Boogie or with me even. So, because my superiors, I do the same with them. Like, hey, it's Friday. You know, you want to leave. I got this covered. Well, I got to go to, I got it. Just go. So that that was my brand. So whenever I went to them and said, hey, I need a time off, it was given without a doubt. You know, I was a guy that I would, I would always have a, have the, take leave at the end because I had too much leave stored and we had what's called use or lose. So I was ordered to take leave before I burn leave up. So even at work, I don't take time off that often. Right. And it's not because I'm just ate up and driven. Like I said, my, my subordinates 
give me purpose. And I'm there to make sure that they're taken care of. So I've had people that were difficult. I had people that were challenging. I had people that were conflicting. You're going to have that in everybody. Right. I don't care how calm and cool the person is, a level-headed ears. Once you factor human factor into any equation, anything is possible. We change daily, man. The dynamics of our lives change every second. So that's why it is a funny thing. I had a guy yesterday, I told him, I said, man, I got to tell you something. I like you, man. I like you right now. I know it sounds like I'm blowing smoke, but I don't do that. I just got to let you know, I like you. I think you're doing a great job. And I said, I want you to know I'm telling you this because five minutes from now, I might not like your ass, but just remember this moment, I like you, okay? <laughs> hey, you know, it was the director. Oh. A director I said this to. He was like, Boogie, you're different. Uh, yeah, but not much. I just think that a lot of people think things, but they're afraid to say it. Oh, for sure. No, that's the, that's the case. I spent 21 years in a, a company that anything I did could have got me thrown in jail. And now the worst thing you could do to me is fire me, and I'm still free. I'll get another job, man. Yeah. I'm going to speak my mind. A little fearless. Yeah. So how do you maintain your want in life? I mean, you said it. You started back with the story with your wife. How do you maintain? Okay, marriage is a really good example of that. It is. How do you maintain the want to remain with that person, the want to stay committed to your vows? How do you keep that? And it's the same with anything, a career, a job. You've committed to something. You, you, there's reasons why you're there. There's a want. And not, you know, we all have. There's always a little bit of blend of need, of course, but the right. want is usually the biggest reason. How do you keep it fresh? How do you maintain it? You know, I, I you said that key word fresh. Someone asked me that too. How do you how do you keep marriage fresh? I remember when I was in the Air Force, and I'm going to keep going back to the Air Force. That's fine, please, man. Please, listeners, it's part don't of your get resume, tired, dude. Don't get tired of me going back to the Air Force. I joined it when I was 20, so I basically grew up in that yeah. environment. Yeah. <clears throat> I had the fortune of meeting um, the highest rank you can have in the, in the Air Force, uh, enlisted wise, is Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force. So this particular Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force uh, was an older guy. You know, he retired years ago, so... He was given a presentation one time and he said that my wife and I were married for 58 years. So afterwards, you know, um, there were some of us that were hand selected to go and have a one on one with him. And when I met him, I said, Chief, how you doing? I said, uh, please call me Boogie. He's like, Boogie. Wow, that's an interesting name. I say, hey, everybody calls me Boogie. You know, and as my Angelou says, it's not what they call you is what you answer to. I answered a Boogie. Yeah. He's like, oh, wow. Great. So I said, Chief, I have a question for you. He said, I know what the question is. You want to know what's the secret to being married 58 years? And it wasn't my question, but I'm like, hey, you want to tell me? You got to be able to brag about something like that, right? So I said, yeah, Chief, that's it. Being married 58 years, please tell me. So he goes, uh, okay, that's easy, man. Dinner and dining twice a week. I said, Okay. He said, yeah, she goes on Wednesday and I go on Saturday. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically that showed me, man, keeping it fresh is based upon the individuals. There is no fine science to keeping marriage fresh. There no, is no there fine isn't. science to staying true to your want. It is the commitment from the person within. 
That's it. So but, for you, though, what is it? For me, my commitment, man, is just knowing that my life's journey has gotten me where it is now. Why should I change vehicles? That's great, yeah. You know, I, I've been enjoying the ride with the person that I'm in so far, that I've been with so far. Why change vehicles? Because she can always pull over and open the door and kick my ass out too. And then I got to go find me another ride through this life, right? And I can do the same to her. So the same time that I'm wanting, she's wanting. Okay? So it's just, and, and again, like I said, this is 27 years in. Okay? So maybe 20 years ago, if you asked me that question, I'd say, well, I have a determining purpose for it. Now, mind you, it hadn't always been perfect. Uh, deployments, um, temporary duty assignments. For the first 14 years, we only spent six years in the house collectively. Wow. Right? It's for me gone all the time. And even after I retired, we separated for a year, you know? And it wasn't like a third-party involvement. It was me and her finally living under the same roof. And when I was gone all those times, she would run the house the way she wanted to. And I was running how I wanted to. It's different. And yeah, and then I come back and it's like, now our rules are jumbled. Yeah. Okay. So, and we, we came back together, right? And it was like, again, it, it was something that we both chose. Because even people, and I'm saying this to everybody out there listening and may have gone through a divorce or may, have gone, may be going through a divorce or some type of separation. If... If you look at marriage like a chemical, okay, let's use a pack of Kool-Aid. A pack of Kool-Aid, that's a chemical. Then you have water, which is also a chemical. Mm -hmm. You mix those two chemicals together, you've just created a new chemical, okay? So there's a filtration system out there that you can put that chemical into, and it will separate that Kool-Aid and that water to 99.9999999 infinity <laughs> percent, right? but never back to 100%. That being said, that Kool-Aid now has residue of that water in it. That water has residue of that Kool-Aid in it. Absolutely. So now you've created two new chemicals. Right. And what happens is when people leave that marriage, that is the Kool-Aid mixture marriage, and now they go through the filtration and go on their own, they immediately jump into another relationship without knowing who they are. Yeah. Because you were different going in then you are coming out. No, that's absolutely the case. So even after, when me and my wife was on separation, we didn't know what direction we were going. And there were women that were talking to me and conversing with me and asking me out and everything like that. And I told them, I'm no good for you. I'm no good for you because of the fact that I don't know who the hell I am. I'm taking part of that woman with me. I got to figure me out first. I never know time to go figure you out. So that was my whole thing. So what you go through, how you go through it is based upon you based upon you and your expectations of, of what you want out of that relationship. Because I told my wife when we were separated, I said, you know, my job was to sit down and watch your hair turn gray. And I haven't fulfilled that. We were supposed to do this together. I haven't fulfilled <laughs> that. That's pretty cool. So now we're back together. And even though we think we're different, we're the same. I just think we look at what the other one does differently. I think it gets easier. <clears throat> I think like yeah. anything else that you commit to and work hard at, and I, I don't think there's any other way of going about a marriage other than to work hard at it because it is hard work. And, and you know, you're right. After you've been together for a while, because I, I laugh with my buddies. I, I said in front of my wife just last weekend, 
I said, you know what? After being together as long as we have, my wife comes home and tell me she finds that she has a boyfriend. I'm like, oh no, we have a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm gonna go find us a girlfriend. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. This is in here. No, that's it. And, and you know? there I think there is, well, we can get into marriage another <clears throat> time, but I think there is a point. You you've been with with your wife 27 years. I've been with Mindy for 21. Right. And there is a point where it get, I think it gets more fluid. Right. I think I'm in that point with Mindy right now where as a 20 year old, 30 year old, every little dumb thing I would take with me to the grave. Whereas now I can, uh, there's a, there's a willingness to let go because you realize it's just not that big of a deal. Um, but it, but it comes from hard work, but I say it's from, I think I say the same applies to anything that you do where you have to keep the want fresh. I mean, even, even in stuff, cause it, you love your wife. Yeah. All right. Let's use uh, something that you enjoy <laughs> uh, that I enjoy as, as an example, let's say it's podcasting. Right. I love doing it. The, the hard, some of the hardest parts for me in doing it is just actually starting. Once right. I start, oh, it's great. But sometimes just starting, because when you're committed to something and you're working hard at it and you want to do it, uh, sometimes that fades a bit. So <laughs> in work, I mean, I have my own opinions, but in work for you in the in what you do, which you call yourself a manager, a leader, I think the, a better a better definition of what you've attempted to do is mentor right. and find the good in people and hopefully pull that out and and, and motivate them. How do you keep fresh in that especially i know this is a long question no that's okay especially when you're you're speaking to people that don't always we've talked about this before that don't always or are not willing to receive what you have to share how do you stay motivated there here's the thing it's very funny i run into so many guys man and girls that are prior military that are retired military and you know pretty high rank and everything else and then you talk to them and when you talk to them they still carry that military around you know, it's like a and, letterman's jacket. Yeah, and 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 they speak is like so determined, and you know, and is like so deliberate. It's like, no, when I say, I'm like, oh, is that applicable in the real world? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like, calm it down, turn it down. Yeah, right. So those people, they became their position. Right there, you they, go. That's their good. rank, their rank defined them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I always tell boogie, tell people, boogie is who I am. I just so happen to be a manager. So the person you're dealing with is Boogie. You're not dealing with a manager, which is the reason why I'm a leader, which is the reason why I'm a mentor. So I don't let what I've gone through dictate or define who I am. I define that. So when you ask, how do I, I think you asked how maintain the want. Maintain the want. Yeah. The want is for me to take what I've learned in the military, put it on the civilian side, and get people that never wore that uniform to understand the commitment in aerospace that we carry. Let, let's face it. Some of us in aerospace work on commercial airlines. Some of us work on military type of aircraft. War fighters, yeah. War fighters. There are people that that I work with or have worked with that work on warfighter type aircraft that tells me, hey man, I just come to work for a job. I come to work to feed my family. I come to work, it's like, no, you don't. Boogie, I do, no, you don't. You do not. Let, let me tell you something. 
and I've had discussions like this, and I hope I'm not rambling because everything's going on right now, synopsis is firing. I've had discussions with people in uniform, when I was in uniform, when I was sent over to Korea on a remote assignment without my family, and I'm there talking with two people that outranked me. And one of them said, hey, man, you know what? Nothing comes before my family but God. I say, no, man, it's God, country, family, you. He's like, no, it's God, family, me, then country. I say, no, I, I beg to differ. And so this one high-ranking person came over and said, and I won't say to your rank, but he came over and said, I hear what you guys are talking about. What are you talking about? And I told him, I said, sir, God, country, family, me. He said, no, don't anything come before my family but God. I said, no. And they were both disappointed in me <laughs> being a junior that I did not. I was like, hold on, wait. I got one simple question for you. Why are you in Korea? Oh, I see where you're going. I'm in Korea to feed my family. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I'm in Korea because if I don't feed, if I don't come to Korea, I don't feed my family. I say, no, you're not. You're in Korea because your country sent you here. No, that's not it. I said, let me ask you something. Ask your family, would they rather you be here in Korea and at home with them? No, I know what they want. So you're not here for your family. You're here for your country. Mm -hmm. No, I need to feed my, listen, you can get any job that you want to feed your family. So don't tell me you're here for your family. You're here for your country. Now, it might be a hard pill for you to swallow, but it's the truth. So both of them walked away from me. Two weeks later, the very high-ranking one came to me. He said, I need to talk to you, Mr. God, country, family, you. I said, yeah. <laughs> what is it, sir? He said, you know you're right, right? I just couldn't say it in front of the other guy. I was like... I was like, why, I, why couldn't he? I don't get it. <laughs> because it was embarrassing to him. I said, you know what? One thing about me, I never want to be right. I just want to be understood. I like that. Yeah. So regardless if, you be, regardless if you want to believe or support me, before you can agree or disagree, you have to understand. Just understand me first. After that, I'm good. My wife getting into arguments with me. And she said something. I said, whoa, do you understand what I'm saying? She said, yeah, but I don't agree. I said, I'm good. All right. Oh, she keeps arguing. I say, I'm good. Yeah. So you don't want to discuss anymore? No. Do you understand what I'm saying? She's like, yeah. I'm saying, I'm good. Frustrate the hell out of her. Yeah. And the reason why I'm saying that, so I'm working here now in the civilian market, and I'm telling people that's telling me I come to work for a job yeah. to feed my family or to make money. I said, no, you don't. It's like, yes, we do. I said, no, you don't. Like, Boogie, I do. I said, let me tell you something. You come to work for that war bird out there we work on. You come out there for that weapon of mass destruction that can go over and guarantee our brothers and sisters a way home safely. If you tell your thing, yourself anything other than that, you need to go find another job. And if you say you're coming because it's a good paying job, weed is legal. Selling weed is a lot more, <laughs> that pays, <laughs> pays well a lot now. more better than this. So don't tell no, me that's that. Good. You that's come good. here to support the warfighter. And you're speaking to me. Right now, you realize that because I, I, I say a lot of the things that, that you say, I mean, I don't necessarily believe, you know, uh, I say I've used the language just to come back. I'll use, right. I've used the language. I'm just here, you know, because it's a good paying job. It's, you know, and it is, it's a good, you know, it's one of those that it's one of the rare few that are in this area that, that pay well, but uh, you're right. It's good to, it's good to be aware of what you're actually doing. Right. Do you think that, and, and so does that contribute, you knowing the bigger picture, that, that, can, that motivates your want quite, quite, 
quite often. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. If there was no war, I wouldn't be in. I wouldn't be in aerospace. I would not be in aerospace. Aerospace is feast or famine. You know, I've I've been stationed in aerospace town when the bubble burst in the early nineties, and aerospace took a hit. And I saw people lose a lot of things, just jobs and houses and everything else. I didn't want my family to go through that, you know, feast or famine type of wave that you got to go through when, when the, you know, everything's good, everybody's eating, you know, not you're starving. So um, that that's why my education, I, I changed my path. You know, I was doing like everybody else and get me a degree in um, engineering. Yeah. And I realized, you know what? I didn't want to be in aerospace. So I, I wanted to make sure I still stayed STEM. So I got me a degree in occupational safety and health for bachelor's, master's in project management, another master's in public administration. So I made sure that I had myself set up. So I've been in the aerospace industry 32 years. So my experience alone carries weight for me now, right? The others opened up other avenues for me to travel to. So I've done the safety manager. I've done all the other things. The thing is, is that if there was no, if there was no war, if if I was not doing what I'm doing to guarantee the safety of the men and women, the brothers and sisters out there that are still guaranteeing us our democratic or democracy way of life, of living, then I, I would not be in aerospace. So when it comes to, and this will be one of the final questions, when it comes to you and maybe even other people, what do you? What are the keys to keeping Boogie inspired? And what are the things that inspire you most about what you've chosen as as a, as a career, as a profession? And how can you expound upon those things? I th- you and I have had the reason why I ask this is because uh, it's a leading question. But you and I have had gr- really good conversations about the potential of people. You know, and some people maybe aren't living to those potentials. Right. And you and I feel, you know, we we we're working to get to that point. And maybe I think you even discovered that there's more that Boogie can offer, and that's <laughs> why we created a podcast, obviously, because I I do believe that there there's more people that may may be more willing to receive your mentorship than some of the people that you're attempting to mentor on a daily basis. Right. So how do you, I don't really have the question is, is it enough what you're doing now? Maybe how do you feel like people can reach their more complete potential? And do you try to get people to do that? When someone, when a light goes on in somebody's eyes and, and you're like, dang, I, they're, they're seeing themselves, they're seeing their potential. Does that excite you? Does that motivate oh, you? Absolutely. So you're asking what, yeah, what, what am I asking? <laughs> Jesus, that was the hardest question I've ever put forth in my life. You were asking, initially you started off with, what gives me purpose for my career path Thank that I've you. chosen? Um, to see people succeed in anything. Dude, I'll tell you, when, when I would be off doing Christmas, and when the wife and I were separated, okay, the company was shut down for X amount of days, and I would have nothing to do, Right. So I go to the golf range and hit some balls. I didn't want to play a whole round of golf. So I just go out there and hit some balls about an hour or so, just to have something to do. Then I leave there and say, I'm going to go to the gym. I hadn't worked out in a while, so I go to the gym and I go in and I look at the guys playing basketball. Then I'm sitting there and I see a guy that's pretty good. It's just that if he had a few more things in him, he'd be better. 
So when they lose, he comes to the sideline and says, hey, man, come over here. Let me work, on, work with you on some things. So now I'm working with this guy. So next game he plays, he goes out and he tries it. And everybody's like, whoa, what happened to him? So now I got guys coming to me for advice. You know, I used to coach in high school and everything else, right? So they're coming to me for advice. It's like, are you a coach? I'm like, nah, I just, I played the game, you know, and I was pretty good at it. So let me show you some things. My thing is just seeing those guys achieve better, you know, That's standards. where you draw your excitement. Yeah, I, it, just watching other people succeed, man. That's, that's a beautiful thing, you know? It's like, uh, I have to use religion right now, right? Uh, God being the being that God is. God said for every year of wisdom, he didn't say this, but just look at the way our lives go. For every year of wisdom and knowledge we gain, we lose a year of our youth. So regardless of how smart and intelligent you become, you cannot stay on top because your body won't allow you to. So I said to my son, I said, son, I raised you with the mindset of raise your children because someday they may become your parents. <laughs> hey. So, so the same thing you want for your leaders. Lead your leaders in a way that you'll be happy. I mean, your, your superiors in, in a way, your subordinates, I'm sorry, in a way because someday they will become your leaders. It's good. It's good. So to sum it up, we, we think about want versus need. Want tends to get a bad rap because it oftentimes can feel or appear to be fleeting, but it is the powerful force that drives us. It's the powerful force that moves us in directions. It's a powerful force that binds us to other people and binds us to jobs and binds us to commitment. And to keep it fresh, you know, that's the key. You got to remember why. You, I think one of the keys is you've got to remember why you did the whole thing to begin with. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you got to hearken back to the beginning and remember why you did it to begin with. That's the key to keep it fresh and, and see if you can find that in, man, in a daily ba on, on a daily basis. Where were you when I was writing thesis papers, man? Because <laughs> you, you summarize things very well. Yeah, you, you, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and I think that it's the same, you know, you look at your own life, you know. Yeah, you need stuff, but you're moved by your want. And don't forget how powerful that want is. I think people tend to bail on the original reason why they wanted it to begin with. It's okay to make adjustments. It's okay to work to be a better human being, you know, or to change what it is, the, the direction that you want to take. But don't forget the original reason why you wanted it. And I say that in, in terms of a lot of things. I say it in terms of career. If you decide you want to do a career, but you get down and maybe it's too hard and right. the, the, the difficulty backs you out of that initial force to want to go in that direction, remember why you wanted it. And maybe that'll get you through the hard part. And it's the same with marriage uh, as well. And it's the same uh, with anything in relationships and friendships. Needs, God, we just need food, shit like that. <laughs> the type of food that we want, that's a whole hey, that's other a whole thing. other story oh, there, baby. <laughs> hot wings or you know, steak or maybe some, man. some shellfish. Shellfish. <laughs> <laughs> well, Boogie, this has been fun, man. Thank you so much for sharing your, uh, your insights, your wisdoms, your stories with uh, with our listeners appreciate it man thank you guys i hope you guys appreciate it i think they do i think they're loving it all right <clears throat> thank you for listening to bugology remember know yourself before anyone else does absolutely